And the Bible we are told God gave Moses in the days of old Ten great commandments For his people to hold true But the greatest commandment of all Is in the book of Luke as I recall Do unto others as you also tweeted a picture of himself in his Bernie Sanders t-shirt. If you're not familiar with Billy Bragg, he is a British singer, songwriter, and uh, has been very politically active over many, many years. At the end of the program, we'll hear another song by Billy Bragg called Tomorrow's Gonna Be a Better Day from the same album. Greetings and welcome back to Bernie 2016. This is an independent podcast established to follow and comment on Bernie Sanders' candidacy for President of the United States. This podcast is completely independent of any candidate, party, or PAC. You can find out more about Bernie 2016 at Bernie-2016.com. You can send me a message at BernieUS2016 at gmail.com or follow on Twitter at BernieUS2016. If you use the app Flipboard, you can follow my magazine in Flipboard called Bernie for President, where I collect uh, articles and tweets on Bernie Sanders, and I am up to 5,300 articles on Bernie and his run for the Democratic nomination. If you don't use the Flipboard app directly, you can check out a link to that magazine on bernie-2016.com. Thanks for listening. First story is from politicsusa.com by Jason Easley. 
A new NBC News Wall Street Journal poll released September 27 found that Senator Bernie Sanders has cut Hillary Clinton's national lead from 34 points to 15 points without Joe Biden in the race. According to the poll, the rise of Bernie Sanders is coming mostly from Democratic voters supporting him, which sounds pretty obvious. Uh, but a lot of people often attribute Sanders' strength to people who are voting against Hillary Clinton or against something else. Sanders has gained 13 points of support between July and September. The senator from Vermont has seen his support grow from 25% to 38%. And Hillary Clinton has lost six points during the same period of time. Until Vice President Biden is a declared candidate for the Democratic nomination, using polling that includes him is akin to playing political fantasy football. Biden is currently not a candidate for the Democratic nomination, so any poll that includes the vice president is engaging in a hypothetical. And that was written back in September, and as of now, middle of October, Biden still has not declared whether he would run or not. And I think that last part is even as important. He has not said that he would not run, has been still making some indications that he may run, but is far from definitive whether or not Biden will jump into the race, which definitely will change the dynamics. Um, a lot of the recent polling anticipating Biden may join the race has included Biden as an option. Story from HuffingtonPost.com by Laura Barron Lopez. And this story is called Bernie Sanders Defends Gun Control Record, Brags About D-NRA Grade. Senator Bernie Sanders on Sunday pushed back against Democrats who said his gun control record was out of step with the party, arguing he's the candidate who can get beyond the noise and pass real legislation. During an interview on CNN's State of the Union, Sanders touted his lifetime voting record of D-minus with the NRA. Quote, I do not accept the fact that I have been weak on this issue, Sanders said. In fact, I have been strong on this issue. In fact, coming from a rural state which has almost no gun control, I think I can get beyond the noise and all of these arguments and people shouting at each other and come up with real constructive gun control legislation which, most significantly, gets guns out of the hands of people who should not have them. In the past, Sanders' position on guns has been described as moderate, given Vermont's hunting culture. Earlier this week, Connecticut Governor Daniel Malloy criticized Sanders for voting against the Brady Bill as a member of the House, which established a federal background check program and required waiting periods on purchases. Asked about Malloy's comments, Sanders argued that he has taken a strong stance on stricter gun laws. Quote, I voted in a state, by the way, which has almost no gun control. Not an easy vote. I voted against the NRA, and I voted to ban certain types of semi-automatic weapons, he said. I voted to eliminate this gun show loophole, which allows people to purchase guns without a background check. So definitely uh, Sanders has a more moderate um, record on gun control 
than many in the Democratic Party have. And we'll look a little bit more at Sanders' record on guns, gun issues, and gun control in a little bit. A story from politicususa.com. Billionaire class should be scared because 99% of Bernie Sanders donors can give again. Also by Jason Easley. Here's a statistic that strikes a blow against Citizens United and should worry the billionaire class who are attempting to purchase control of the United States government. Bernie Sanders raised $41.4 million and 99% of his donors can give to his campaign again. Here are the basic numbers from the Sanders campaign. U.S. Senator Bernie Sanders raised $26.2 million during the third quarter this year, all of it for use in primaries and caucuses. In a grassroots presidential campaign that has drawn 1.3 million small donations since it began. The average donation was $30 apiece. The campaign closed the books on the end of September 30, reporting period with almost $27.1 million in the bank after spending about $11.3 million, according to a report filed with the Federal Election Commission. And that pace of Sanders getting to over 1 million small donations is the fastest pace in a similar election um, getting to, to that number of small donations. Because those donations have been small, as this story pointed out at the beginning, almost all of the people who have donated to Bernie Sanders' campaign are far from maxing out the $2,700 maximum donation by an individual in a primary and can give additional money, can give again and again and again. You know, if, if the average donation is $30 a piece, anybody that gave anywhere near that average donation can give $30 again and can give $30 again. I mean, up until they hit a limit of $2,700, this same pool of people, which is over 650,000 individual, individuals who have made donations so far, um, and I think actually that's up to 680,000 now, maybe over 700 by the time I'm recording. Um, those people can all give again and can, can double. If all of those people give again the same amount they have given to date, then Sanders' $41 million you know, pool of money suddenly gets up to the neighborhood of $80 million. So enormous potential for Sanders to... Um, raise the money that he needs. When Sanders got his campaign started, um, what he was looking for as far as funding went to be competitive in Iowa and in New Hampshire was about $50 million. And he is um, probably right about at that level uh, now because just in the last few days, he has brought in millions more. In addition to bringing in lots of donations and millions of dollars, Sanders is continuing to bring in thousands of people to very, very large 
rallies. A story, again, written by Jason Easley. I guess I uh, am favoring Mr. Easley's stories in this episode. Bernie Sanders rocks the Southwest by drawing 13,000 to rally in Tucson, Arizona. Democratic presidential candidate Senator Bernie Sanders drew a rocking crowd of 13,000 supporters in Tucson, Arizona to hear his common sense solutions for giving government back to the people. CNN's Dan America reported that according to local parks and recreation department, the Bernie Sanders rally in Tucson drew 11,000 people. The Sanders campaign later confirmed that 13,000 attended the rally. Sanders spoke about the mass shootings that occurred on Friday on two more college campuses. So these were not the latest large-scale shooting in Oregon, but these were the two shootings on separate college campuses that followed. Quote, I wanted to take a brief moment to tell you what I expect most of you already know, and that is today on two college campuses in our country, one at Texas Southern University, a student was shot and killed, and one other was wounded. And as you know, in your state at Northern Arizona State University at Flagstaff, one student was killed and three were wounded. It goes without saying that our condolences to the families of those who were killed and our hearts and prayers go out for full recovery to those that were wounded. But we also know that we are tired of condolences and we are tired of just prayers. We are tired and we are embarrassed in picking up the paper or turning on the TV and seeing children in elementary schools slaughtered and young people on college campuses shot. The truth of the matter is, and I wish I could tell you otherwise, the issue of gun violence is not going to be solved easily. But just because it is not going to be solved easily does not mean that we do not address it and do the best that we can. The Tucson rally was one of the best Sanders rallies of the year. Sanders events have become known for their high energy, but there was a special buzz in Tucson. There is something special happening with the Bernie Sanders campaign. I suspect it is a larger than a political campaign. Bernie Sanders has galvanized a movement. The Sanders movement isn't limited to populist economics. Bernie Sanders is speaking the language of common sense on a variety of issues. And a story related to the same event on phoenixnewtimes.com. This by Miriam Wasser. It's a good week for Arizonans who support Democratic presidential candidate Bernie Sanders. Not only is Sanders coming back to the state for a second political rally Friday, but Arizona Congressman Raul Grijalva is expected to give the Vermont senator his first official congressional endorsement. Grijalva, a Mexican-American liberal Democrat and co-chairman of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, will make the announcement when he appears on stage with Sanders at the rally. Quote, the positions he has taken and the values he holds are ones I share. I couldn't sit on the sidelines and wait for the tea leaves to be read better, Grahava told the New York Times in an interview. 
Grijalva's endorsement marks a major milestone in Sanders' campaign because his main rival, Democratic candidate Hillary Clinton, already has picked up about 100 congressional endorsements. In the same interview with the New York Times, Grijalva has also mentioned, also mentioned that as a Mexican-American, he hopes to help Sanders attract Latino and other minority voters. Quote, Latino sectors of the country, African-Americans, people of color, they're feeling the economic pain as much as anyone else. Bernie has good positions on immigration and education, which are fountain issues for the Latino community. There's an opportunity to talk about those and expose the fact that Bernie is not just a one-tuned candidate, which he's not. And some other media have made a great deal of, uh, or, or really a, a put a major focus on the number of endorsements that candidates have gained. And indeed, in past elections, endorsements have been one of the key ways to measure the potential success of a candidate. Hillary Clinton has an enormous number of endorsements. Um, as this stated, 100 congressional endorsements. She has dozens of endorsements from governors and mayors and senators, um, really, you know, by and far of any candidate out there, Republican or Democrat, scored the most endorsements this early in the campaign. And the fact that she is far, far outpacing any other candidate, including Bernie Sanders, I think in any other campaign would be a very, very large obstacle to overcome. But for this campaign with these candidates, and with Bernie Sanders in particular, I don't think this should come as a surprise to anybody. Um, Bernie Sanders was has not, throughout his entire political life, been affiliated with or directly part of a member of the Democratic Party. It is a big, big step for a Democratic elected official to choose somebody who, while he is currently running as a Democrat for the Democratic nomination, to choose a person who has run most of their political career outside of your party when there are candidates and they're, you know, good candidates in the eyes of many from within the party. So it is absolutely no surprise to me whatsoever that Bernie Sanders is, does not have an easy time attracting um, public endorsements from Democratic politicians. Um, he gets many endorsements from other people, from academics, and from celebrities. But this is the first major endorsement from a um, Democratic politician of Bernie Sanders' campaign. In addition to the huge uh, rally in Tucson, 
Sanders recently traveled up to Boston, and this story from alternet.org by Zaid Jilani. On Saturday evening, Bernie Sanders finally took his campaign to Boston, Massachusetts, having canceled an earlier appearance there because they couldn't find a space large enough at an affordable price. The Boston stop was the second stop of the day, following a rally of 6,000 in Springfield, Massachusetts. The Boston Globe noted that the rally in their city made history, topping the size of a 10,000-person rally Barack Obama held during the 2008 Democratic primary. Sanders was introduced by several speakers, including both nursing students and a representative of National Nurses United, the large nursing union. Bill McKibben, one of the nation's most prominent climate activists, took the podium before the senator and praised his opposition to the Keystone Pipeline, a project Sanders opposed first in 2011. We have raised substantial sums of money because 650000 Americans made contributions averaging $30 apiece, said Sanders, to a crowd of around 25,000, both inside the Boston Convention and Exhibition Center, and more watching the event on screens outside who were unable to get in. The fundraising numbers have given renewed credibility to his campaign, with the New York Times noting that, quote, Mr. Sanders was initially dismissed by political insiders as a fringe candidate, running only to push Hillary Rodham Clinton to the left. But he has now demonstrated that he has the resources and the supporters whom he has only begun to tap financially to compete for the Democratic presidential nomination. Indeed, the $26 million he raised places him right behind Hillary Clinton's own $28 million haul for the second quarter of fundraising. So if I backstep a little bit, Sanders' crowd in Boston was 25,000, and that's the biggest rally that Boston has seen in a Democratic primary election ever. The last or previous, previous largest rally in a Democratic primary election was 10,000 that Barack Obama had attracted in 2008. So in a single rally in Boston, Sanders drew more than double, two and a half times the number that Barack Obama had in 2008. In addition to that, earlier on the same day, he had over 6,000 in, uh, in Springfield, Massachusetts. So o- over 30,000 on that day in Massachusetts came to listen and support Sanders at this rally. And along with endorsements, as we spoke about earlier, from candidate not candidates, but from uh, elected officials, endorsements from unions and those union members have been very important to uh, Bernie Sanders and to Hillary Clinton as well. And here's a story from ringoffireradio.com. National Education Association says, quote, Bernie can't win. We will endorse Hillary. Members furious. As the first Democratic debate approaches, members of the National Educational Association, the largest labor organization in the United States, is split over which candidate they should support 
in the upcoming presidential election. They're not the only ones. In general, union leaders are endorsing Hillary Clinton, while rank-and-file members are more inclined to support Bernie Sanders. It is unusual for a union to support a candidate so early in the process, but the NEA leadership has stated that it wants to identify the potential winner early in order to, quote, play a significant role in the next administration's conversation and decision-making about public education. What is more telling, however, is why the leadership settled on Clinton. Quote, Clinton is the best-positioned candidate to win both the Democratic primary and general election. She has unmatched organizational strength, ground game, and fundraising ability to defeat the candidate of the Koch brothers. In other words, they're endorsing who they believe is the safe choice and, according to common wisdom, most likely to be able to win the White House next year. Significantly, both Clinton and Sanders earned A marks for their congressional legislative records. But then, Sanders is a, in parentheses, oh horrors, socialist. It appears that the NEA leadership is settling on what they think they can get, not who is likely to do a better job. Apparently, the NEA leadership is oblivious to what has been going on, not only in the U.S., but around the world. The people have had enough with the status quo. Sanders has already demonstrated that he not only can win the nomination, but the general election as well. Furthermore, his support for issues that educators are most concerned with is clear. Collective bargaining, tuition-free college, and opposition to charter schools. Clinton, while expressing support for higher teacher pay and smaller class sizes, has said, quote, I actually do believe in charter schools, unquote. And despite the increasingly vocal outrage over student loan debt slavery, she won't go as far as to advocate for free college. Furthermore, though Clinton started out as a progressive, she has, for the sake of political survival, compromised too much in moving towards the center. Sanders' positions may seem radical, but they are needed after a generation of corporatist policies that have destroyed the middle class and taken American public education from the best system in the world down to number 14, right behind Russia. Clinton talks a good game, but whether or not she would actually deliver once she was sitting in the Oval Office is far from certain. What has angered NEA members, however, is that the decision to endorse Clinton was made unilaterally by the leadership. In a letter to NEA members, a group of teachers from four states wrote, quote, More than 30,000 NEA members have shown support for Senator Bernie Sanders to be our next president through his campaign website or various social media sites. An early endorsement for Clinton would be based only on advocacy by national and state leaders without membership input. And we've seen this as well in other unions that have come out in support of Clinton. Um, We see a very large number of their members and membership um, openly supporting Bernie Sanders, and decrying the methods by which the national unions uh, made the choice to support Hillary Clinton, with a lot of those um, coming from the top and not 
polling or not taking into account the voices of the union membership. So from rawstory.com by Arturo Garcia. Senator Bernie Sanders said on Thursday night that President Barack Obama was right to call for stronger gun safety laws in the wake of the mass shooting at Umpqua Community College. Quote, I know him well enough to know that this was very personal for him, Sanders told MSNBC host Chris Hayes, that he is disgusted, he is angry, he is sick and tired, as we all are, of sending our condolences to the families of people who have been murdered in cold blood. The remarks echoed Obama's statements earlier in the day that, quote, our thoughts and prayers are not enough following the attack, which was reportedly committed by a 26-year-old. Ten people were killed, including the purported gunman, and seven others were wounded in the attack. The senator called for the elimination of a loophole allowing unlicensed firearms vendors to sell guns at gun shows and for the implementation of an instant background check at regular gun stores. We have to stop shouting at each other. We need sensible gun control legislation. And by the way, we need to significantly improve mental health services in the United States, Sanders said. And I pledge to do everything I can in both of those areas. A story from NBCNews.com. Democrat Bernie Sanders, who still faces a long road for recognition and support in the Latino community, has hired Latino Outreach Director for the campaign. Sanders, a Vermont senator, hired Arturo Carmona, Executive Director of Presente.org, a Latino advocacy group based in Los Angeles. Carmona also will serve as Southwest political director. The group, which is largely an online group, is considered more left than other more established Latino organizations. As an activist on civil rights, Carmona said he never saw himself joining a political campaign, but, quote, when I saw the political campaign and Senator Sanders calling for a political revolution and people from all walks of life joining this movement, I said, hey, this is something I've seen that can make a difference. I decided to join because I see a great need. In a recently released NBC Wall Street Journal poll, 30% of Latinos surveyed had a positive view of Sanders versus 12% who held a negative view. But 35% didn't recognize his name or weren't sure how they felt about him, compared to 2% for Hillary Clinton, his rival for the Democratic nomination. Quote, Bernie Sanders is not well known, and I see that as a great opportunity and advantage because we have a fresh opportunity to present a remarkable candidate, Carmona said. And still, Bernie Sanders is much less well known for certain than Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton has been in the national spotlight for a significant number of years as first lady when Bill was president and as senator from New York and then as secretary of state under 
Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton has had years of visibility um, across the nation to where only a, a very tiny percentage of people don't know who she is. So when you compare that to Sanders, who has been in elected politics for a lot longer than Hillary Clinton has, but has been representing the state of Vermont and has not held the national spotlight on very many occasions in his career, um, there are still a large number of people who don't really know who Bernie Sanders is. And I think going forward from this point in the election process, I think that's an enormous opportunity for Sanders to be within 15% of Hillary Clinton this early in the campaign with such a large number of people who either haven't heard of him yet or still don't know very much about him, that provides him with a giant opportunity to become more well-known by those people and convert a, a significant number of those people to become his supporters. And that is really, at this juncture, his big ticket to overcoming his deficit in the polls and in actually getting the Democratic nomination for president. So a couple of earlier stories talked about some recent uh, recent gun, not gun issues, but recent, um, I'm looking for the, the right word here, recent tragedies, probably that's, that's the, the word, and, and I don't know if, if tragedy is even the, the best word um, in these situations, which, as most have said, are by far just becoming too, too common and too regular as part of our uh, culture in the United States. So the fantastic site called feeltheburn.org has collected a lot of background information on Bernie Sanders. If you still are not very familiar with Bernie Sanders and you want to know how he stands on a wide variety of issues, um, on both the issues that he talks about regularly and issues that he does not necessarily talk about regularly, this site is run by a bunch of volunteers has done a fantastic job of pulling together um, Bernie's history and his legislative history and how he has spoken out on a variety of issues. So one of those issues is gun policy that this site uh, has some information on Bernie Sanders on. So let's take a look at what this site has collected. Overall, Bernie Sanders believes in a middle ground solution in the national gun debate, saying in a recent interview, quote, folks who do not like guns are fine, but we have millions of people who are gun owners in this country. 99.9% of those people obey the law. I want to see real serious debate and action on guns, but it's not going to take place if we simply have extreme positions on both sides. 
I think I can bring us to the middle. And bringing us to the middle on guns and gun policy is an enormous task, as Bernie correctly identifies. The two sides of this debate are very, very steadfast in their positions and are fearful of giving in on their stance to try to find common ground in in many cases. Gun control. Gun control legislation should ultimately fall on individual states with the exception of instant background checks to prevent firearms from finding their way into the hands of criminals and the mentally ill and a federal ban on assault weapons. So that's Bernie Sanders' basic position in his history. On manufacturer liability, gun manufacturers should not be held liable for the misuse of their products, just as any other industry isn't held accountable for how end consumers use their products. Um, So that is another stated position and a position that Bernie has voted on in the past. I think personally that is, in my own opinion, the one area where Bernie, Bernie's uh, voting record and Bernie's stance is dead wrong. Uh, he's been attacked on that particular issue lately. I think that what, what uh, revealed that stance was a piece of legislation that made it illegal to sue gun manufacturers for deaths from guns. And I think that's a bad, a bad piece of legislation. The fact that individuals are able to sue gun manufacturers or would be able to sue gun manufacturers does not mean they would win those lawsuits, does not mean that the final outcome would, would be in their favor. But I feel absolutely the the ability of individuals to sue those gun manufacturers when they feel that those manufacturers' products or methods or marketing or whatever has contributed to deaths, I think that the ability to bring those lawsuits should absolutely be open and available. So I I fundamentally disagree with that stand. And Bernie has backed away from his hard line, or I don't even know if he had such a hard line. He has certainly defended that vote in the past and continues to defend it to an extent, but I believe he is definitely um, softening on that point. And I think we'll have a story later that shows that shift. So back to the data from or the information on the field, the burn.org website on gun policy, gun control. Bernie believes that gun control is largely a state issue because attitudes and actions with regards to firearms differ greatly between rural and urban communities. Nevertheless, Bernie believes there are situations where the federal government should intervene. He voted in favor of requiring background checks to prevent firearms from getting into the hands of felons and the mentally ill. 
passing a federal ban on assault weapons and closing loopholes which allow private sellers at gun shows and on the internet to sell to individuals without background checks. What examples are there to show this divide between rural and urban communities? In the state of Vermont, which Bernie represents as a senator, the, wait, the state of Vermont, which Bernie represents as a senator, is the most gun-friendly state in the nation, while at the same time it boasts the absolute lowest rate of gun-related crime. How does Bernie believe gun legislation in the United States should be handled? Bernie believes in middle ground legislation. As such, he understands that Americans in rural areas have a very different view towards guns as those who live in densely populated urban environments. Bernie believes in a solution which promotes gun rights for those who wish to possess them, while also ensuring their safe and secure use so that they cannot be used to harm fellow human beings. To what extent does Bernie believe that gun regulation should be a federal issue? Bernie has voted in favor of a nationwide ban on assault weapons and a nationwide ban on high-capacity magazines of over 10 rounds and nationwide expanded background checks that address unsafe loopholes. How does Bernie believe we should address mass shootings and other gun-related violence? Bernie believes that we have a crisis in addressing mental health issues in this country, saying in a recent interview, quote, we need strong, sensible gun control, and I will support it. But some people think it's going to solve all of our problems, and it's not. You know what? We have a crisis in the capability of addressing mental health illness in this country. When people are hurting and are prepared to do something terrible, we need to do something immediately. We don't have that, and we should have that. Given that 23% of the perpetrators of mass shootings have been found to suffer from mental health issues, Bernie believes that expanding access to mental health care can address some of the root causes of gun-related violent crime. Learn more about Bernie's stances regarding access to mental health care on feeltheburn.org. And you can also learn about his policies with regards to addressing other structural causes of violent crime. A story from WashingtonPost.com, and this is by Terrell Germain Starr. On Twitter, Bernie Sanders' supporters are becoming one of his biggest problems. Earlier this month, I announced on Twitter that I plan to report on the disconnect between Democratic presidential candidate Senator Bernie Sanders and black voters. Immediately, some of Sanders' self-described supporters raided my mentions with patronizing tweets. Over the past few months, Sanders' predominantly white backers have used Twitter to target any black activist or journalist who dares question the candidate's civil rights record. The battle reveals a long-simmering racial divide in the progressive movement that continues to go unacknowledged. If Sanders wants to win black voters, he'll need to address it. A series of Gallup polls this summer found that Sanders has a plus 13 favorability rating among African Americans compared with Hillary Clinton's plus 68 favorability rating. There are many reasons for Sanders' poor polling with African American voters. His unknown name, the limited diversity of his home state, his shaky response to interactions with Black Lives Matter protesters. But the social media battles have shown that Sanders' supporters also have become a major hurdle 
for the candidate in building a positive image with the black electorate. The online clashes between some of Sanders' white supporters and black voters came to a head after protesters interrupted the senator's speech at Netroots Nation in July, demanding he speak candidly about police brutality. His defenders took their anger to the web with condescending blog posts and combative tweets that have continued unabated since. They accused black activists of being agents of Sanders' opponents. They blamed black Americans for Sanders' disconnect from black communities. They accused voters who questioned him of being racist. And they insisted black voters give Sanders unquestioning support. Of course, it's not fair to blame Sanders for the vitriol of trolls. But at a time when he's trying to build a relationship with black voters, his supporters can have a significant effect on his image. Political consultant L. Joy Williams says Sanders could have won the allegiance of some black voters by responding to his supporters' combative and patronizing comments and distancing himself from them. It would have been a good opportunity for the candidate to interact with black press and connect with black Americans, she said. Quote, it's not as if he went on News One now or did an interview with black press and said, I am dismayed by the way some of those who support me are treating us, as us meaning black voters. That never happened. And this story goes on. I think it's a, a well-written story. I think it has a more than a kernel of truth. I think, as with all kinds of online interactions, there are many people who choose to espouse uh, negative, negative ways of trying to get their point across. And indeed, much of that does not help promote the cause that they are indeed trying to support. And it tends to alienate those people who you would otherwise want to join your cause or join your side. And in this case, you know, people who we want to have join in the support of Bernie Sanders by hitting them head on and being disrespectful in many cases to them, if not outright hostile, which there certainly is those elements of hostility um, who support Bernie and who support any candidate and who uh, take it as a personal offense when someone else feels otherwise. I think all of that certainly uh, does more harm than good in trying to build um, what I, I feel is, is truly a revolutionary uh, candidacy. Um, so this is one story, one response, pointing out those negative elements among Sanders supporters and how they are alienating other potential supporters of Sanders. Uh, Terrell Jermaine Starr also um, wrote that article that he mentioned at the beginning of this article on Sanders and his challenges 
in trying to connect with black voters. That was a well-researched and well-written article that he had some, some challenges with his, uh, his management at the website he was writing for, I believe. He was writing for Alternet. Um, if, in fact, he wasn't writing initially for Alternet, Alternet is the site that finally published uh, that story, which was a very good story about Sanders' attempts to connect with black voters and the challenges that he has in that regard. On to another topic, this story from LAProgressive.com by Robert Reich, former Labor Secretary. And this story is why Wall Street Journal's attack on Bernie is bogus. I've had so many calls about an article appearing earlier this week in the Wall Street Journal charging that Bernie Sanders' proposals would carry a price tag of $18 trillion over a 10-year period that it's necessary to respond. The journal's number is entirely bogus, designed to frighten the public. Please spread the truth. Bernie's proposals would cost less than what we'd spend without them. Most of the cost the journal comes up with, $15 trillion, would pay for opening Medicare to everyone. This would be cheaper than relying on our current system of for-profit private health insurers that charge you and me huge administrative costs, advertising, marketing, bloated executive salaries, and high pharmaceutical prices. Gerald Friedman, an economist at the University of Massachusetts at Amherst, whom the journal relies on for some of its data, actually estimates a Medicare for All system would save all of us $10 trillion over 10 years. The savings from Medicare for All would more than cover the costs of the rest of Bernie's agenda. Tuition-free education at public colleges, expanded Social Security benefits, improved infrastructure, and a fund to help cover paid family leave, and still leave us $2 trillion to cut federal deficits for the next 10 years. Many of these other costs would also otherwise be paid by individuals and families, for example, in college tuition and private insurance. So they shouldn't be considered added costs for the country as a whole and may well save us money. Finally, Bernie's proposed spending on education and infrastructure aren't really spending at all, but investments in the nation's future productivity. If we don't make them, we're all poorer. What Rupert Murdoch's Wall Street Journal would do that, oh, that Rupert Murdoch's Wall Street Journal would do this giant dump on Bernie Sanders based on misinformation and distortion confirms Bernie's status as a candidate willing to take on the money interests that the Wall Street Journal represents. So that story was out a while back, and that was one of the first uh, major stories or stories from the mainstream, and I hate calling them the mainstream, stories from the commercial media use that term, commercial media, corporate media, but uh, not mainstream media because they so often do not represent the mainstream of our country. So that was one of the first major articles about the costs of Bernie's proposals from the commercial media and got a lot of play and still gets a lot of play, a lot of people are still talking about that $18 trillion price tag 
And it, it is an area where Robert Reich uh, counters that argument very well. Um, most These things are already being paid for. So what Bernie's proposals would essentially do is just shift that money instead of that money being directly paid by us or others via other institutions and in the the area of the healthcare instead of businesses and individuals paying insurance premiums to insurance companies which take a big cut of that money who then turn around and pay the healthcare providers, that money would come from businesses and individuals and in the form of taxes go into a government fund and the government would then pay for those medical services that are rendered. So the money is already being spent in the case of healthcare in particular what the government could do is reduce the cost by a significant margin by cutting out the middleman of the insurance who has to take a cut and make a profit. And believe me, those insurance companies usually make some pretty hefty profits. So we would actually be able to pay for the same health care that we get right now with less money by taking out that profit margin that the insurance companies develop. So we could pay a lower amount of our income. Businesses could pay a lower amount of their income in a tax to the government that would then spend those dollars on health care. So yes, these services, these policies cost a great deal, but this is not in addition to what is already being spent in our country on these policies in many cases. In, in the case of things like, you know, a, a trillion dollar um, project to improve our infrastructure, that creates millions of jobs. Uh, Bernie Sanders is talking about 13 million good paying jobs to be created from that policy. Those individuals, in those jobs will pay taxes. So that will recover some of that initial expenditure. Um, living with upgraded infrastructure will improve all of our lives. And, you know, having uh, fewer potholes damaging your car, having fewer road closures, you know, bridge closures, better infrastructure will be a huge benefit to the country. So spending dollars, spending tax dollars for that purpose is one of the better ways that the government can improve the infrastructure while supporting the economy. So this podcast is just uh, an independent effort to spread the word about Bernie's campaign. Um, Bernie has 
many, and I shouldn't even say burning, there are many, many, many of us out in the world doing similar work or doing other types of volunteer work. There are other podcasts I've mentioned before. There are thousands and thousands of websites collecting and spreading information. There are thousands and thousands of groups around this country that aren't managed by the campaign that are self-organized volunteering that are engaged in a, a wide variety of activity in support of Bernie's candidacy. And Bernie has, or Bernie's official campaign has produced a document. You can find this on Bernie's site. It is called General Introduction to Self-Organized Volunteering with Bernie 2016. They know they don't have the infrastructure at this point, still are developing it to guide and manage hundreds of thousands of volunteers for the campaign. They know that a lot of people are ready to ready to go and ready to be active before the campaign is ready to direct their activities. So they put out this um, they've they've put out this document to provide some guidance to those people who want to volunteer and want to or need to right now organize themselves to do that volunteering. So I'll read a little bit of this and you know if you are interested then you can take a look or you can just join a group in your area or you can do something independently as I am. So here from the document. Welcome. The time and talent of hundreds of thousands of campaign volunteers are what will elect Bernie Sanders and build a movement to take our country back from the billionaire class. We don't need super PACs because we've got the people. It will be an honor to work alongside you in this movement. These materials are for volunteers and were created by volunteers to help build this movement. Included in this guide are several pieces of useful information to help you get started. We hope you will find everything here that you need from what's involved in a successful activity of any type to what each role entails to where you'll get lists of volunteers. Volunteer campaign guides will be constantly improving as more and more feedback comes in. If you don't find what you need, please email help at berniesanders.com. And remember, everyone answering those emails is a volunteer, just like you. To apply to join the volunteer team that writes, edits, and constantly improves these guides, please visit berniesanders.com work. How we're going to win everywhere. When people talk about Bernie, they mention the same characteristics again and again. Trust, integrity, honesty, conviction. Bernie is a candidate capable of appealing to not only Democrats, but also independents, moderate Republicans, millennials, minorities, and those who are, sadly, disenfranchised by politics. His fundamental message of the growing inequality resonates, resonates with all of these groups. Bernie is not running against Hillary Clinton, Jeb Bush, Scott Walker, or Donald Trump. He is running against Citizens United, the Koch brothers, and Sheldon Adelson. 
against the billionaires who are trying to buy our entire government and the system that allows them to do so. As Bernie says, they may have the money, but we have the people. And when the people stand together, we can win. And this document goes on to talk about volunteers and volunteering, bringing volunteers together, um, and has a lot of detail about what you can do, how to set up a volunteering event, types of campaign actions, including block walking or canvassing, outreach, letters to the editor, registering voters, and organizing different types of events. Um, so there's a lot of detail in this document about self-organized volunteering for Bernie 2016. So if you're interested, check out Bernie's website for this document for more. There's a very good um, list of activities that are going on. Um, the vast majority of events listed on Bernie Sanders' website at berniesanders.com are organized by volunteers. Um, they're local events that aren't guided or led by the campaign. So you can probably find an event in your neighborhood, people getting together to do some work for the Bernie Sanders campaign that's not really necessarily guided by the campaign itself. So if you're interested in that type of activity, then go ahead and check those out. If you find that there are no events near you, then start one. Post an event. Um, meet with a few people locally and, and find out what they're interested in, what they want to do uh, to support the Bernie Sanders campaign. So that will wrap up this episode of Bernie 2016. Uh, despite my advocacy of Bernie Sanders' campaign, this is an independent podcast established to follow and comment on the campaign, but is completely independent of candidate, party, or any PAC. You can find out more about Bernie 2016 at Bernie2016.com. And you can send me a message at BernieUS2016 at gmail.com or follow on Twitter at BernieUS2016. Thanks for listening. To the misanthropic, misbegotten merchants of Clun who look into their crystal balls and prophesy our doom. Let the death knell chime It's the end of time Let the cynics put their blinkers on And toast our decline Don't become demoralized by this chorus complaint It's a sure sign that the old world is terminally quaint And tomorrow's gonna be a better day the siren voices say tomorrow's gonna be a better day we're gonna make it that way